Welcome back, everybody. This is the Prepared Mindset Podcast. I'm your host, Austin. Got another episode for you guys this week, uh, taking a step a little bit outside of our usual <clears throat> discussion material. Excuse me. Um, we're going to be talking about preparedness planning and more specifically having a focus on um, intelligence. And I don't necessarily, I don't mean that in the in the the scope of human intelligence in in the way that we look at you know are you smart or are you dumb you know in simplest terms anyway um, but looking at intelligence gathering the different types of intelligence um, this is something that I don't necessarily have a ton of experience in in the application of this um, but once we kind of get into it you'll see that there's maybe some some more practical things that you can do in your daily life that actually have a lot more to do with intelligence gathering than than one would assume. Um, intelligence is kind of what makes the world go round in a lot of regards, especially when we're looking at preparedness, at our personal planning, at understanding how we need to respond and react and, and plan ahead for, um, you know, different scenarios, emergencies, things like that, that, that may, you know, happen. Uh, look at everything that happened just a couple, uh, years ago here. Uh, I can't believe it's already been two years, uh, since the COVID lockdowns, the, quote-unquote summer of love, right? Um, having having a good level of intelligence, uh, a good understanding of how to gather intelligence and being aware of your situation uh, in your 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 area of operation or, or your, your area of residence, whatever have you, um, could have made a difference for a lot of people in, you know, personal safety and how they responded to different events. Um, the more information you have, the easier it is to make an informed decision. I mean, it's bottom line, and that's pretty much how that correlates to any good level of intelligence. Um, so it, I've gathered some information here. Like I said, it's not something I've done a ton personally uh, or professionally, um, but it is something worth talking about. It is something that becomes more a part of your planning, as you'll find out as we discuss this. Um, so definitely something I wanted to kind of dig into something I thought that was worth having discussion around and we're going to jump in, we're going to get into it, but guys, I got to talk to you about Eclipse holsters before we get going here. Uh, Eclipse is a huge sponsor for the prepared mindset and they're a great company. They're making great products. If you guys don't have a holster, if you're in the market for a new holster, maybe a gift for somebody head over to eclipseholsters.com. They actually hooked you up with discount code prepared mindset. It's going to save you 20% off your order. And if you spend over a hundred bucks, you're going to get free FedEx two day shipping, which is awesome. We've all lived in, we've, we've all been living through COVID. We've all seen the travesty that has been the USPS lately. So having FedEx shipping or anything, honestly, other than regular post office shipping is a great, great benefit. Eclipse, we can't say enough nice things about them. They make great quality holsters. Uh, they they sell core essentials belts. If you're looking to start concealed carrying, dump trays, mag carriers may even have some new products coming out in the next couple of months here. You guys will all want to stay tuned for those. So head over to eclipseholsters.com. Use our code again, prepared mindset to save yourself 20% off. Also have to say thank you to uh, mymedic.com. MyMedic is your one-stop shop for any kind of medical supplies you need. Uh, you Tourniquets, stop the bleed, supplies, uh, full-blown MyFacts, as they call them. 
you know, an individual first aid kit, but they call it the MyFAC, Biomedic MyFAC. They gave us a discount code, Mindset20. Again, save you 20% off your order. They're also an affiliate partner of ours. Do you guys go through our link tree on Instagram? You go through our offers page on Facebook. You can use our affiliate link to access the MyMedic website. From there, you can still use Mindset20, but any purchase you make is gonna come back and help support the prepared mindset and what we do here. So if you're hearing this and you're thinking to yourself, man, I need another, I need another tourniquet. Hey, I don't actually have a first aid kit for the house, a first aid kit for the car. Um, guys, go out and get one. <clears throat> you don't know when this stuff could help you. I just today witnessed an issue with somebody whose uh, car was on fire. Um, you know, those are the kinds of situations people can end up hurt. Uh, burns are a realistic uh, issue, things like that. You want to make sure you have those kinds of supplies. Check out my medic. Again, our code mindset20 is going to help save you 20% off your order. Use our affiliate link to support the prepared mindset. Lastly, uh, dryfiremag.com. Dryfiremag is a affiliate partner with the prepared mindset. And guys, they just opened this week, a couple days ago, actually, their pre orders on their uh, smart dry fire mags comes with the laser cartridge uh, the smart mags are usb rechargeable uh, all the same great benefits of the dry fire mag that you guys already know love and use to practice but now you can turn your practice gun your glock your smith and wesson uh, whatever you carry you use with your dry fire mag can turn it into a cert pistol you'll get not now only that that uh, audible response and that audible output and the tactile feel of resetting the trigger, but you also get the visual response of the laser dot hitting your dry fire target. So it's a great, great tool live on their site. Now head over to dryfiremag.com. Again, use our link on our link tree or our offers page on Facebook to help support the prepared mindset podcast. All right, guys. So <clears throat> let's get into this. All right. Intelligence gathering, you kind of hear about it a lot in TV and movies, um, perhaps in your professional world. I know I, I've talked a lot about I work in finance. Business intelligence can also be a, a real thing. It's also it's something that, you know, corporate security is uh, involved with. Um, intelligence isn't even it's not limited to the military. I, I feel like we we as civilians or people that that are just not well in tune with some of these things. Uh, we make the assumption of oh, military intelligence, right? Or the intelligence community, the CIA, spies. Yes, I mean, technically all those things are true. And yes, they're all they're all uh, connected. And yes, you're not necessarily wrong. But it can go beyond that. I don't want to say deeper because, you know, for our scope here, for what we're talking about, it isn't deeper. It's It's just, it's actually at a higher level in a wider scope and how it's going to apply to your everyday life. So starting off with intelligence gathering, all right, there's five steps to security and preparedness planning. Um, and this is, there's a really good YouTube channel called Forward Observer. All right. Uh, it's Samuel Culper. He's former military. If you guys are looking for additional information on this, I, I highly recommend you go check out his videos and his content and what he's doing. I found this to be extremely helpful and very beneficial when trying to find ways to articulate a lot of this information. So five steps, right? One is to develop a range of potential scenarios. 
make a list of things that could potentially happen, right? Looking back specifically on the riot and the riots and the looting, I'm sorry, <clears throat> that happened during 2020, what scenarios are you looking at? Well, arson, um, mob, mob uh, mentality, assault, um, a violation of your space, and potentially needing to bug out of the area for your own personal safety. I mean, strictly because bugging in would have actually put you in more danger if you were if you were living in one of those heavily impacted uh, areas. If you lived in Atlanta, if you lived in Detroit, if you lived, you know, in Chicago, in LA, where the heavy rioting and things were happening. You know, we talked a lot about how bugging out isn't always the best option. In this instance, it really bugging out was probably the safer option because it removes you from the scenario of immediate danger. So have a, a range of potential scenarios so that you can build up some some guardrails. You can get a better idea of what you're planning for instead of trying to plan for you know every little thing under the sun because <clears throat> they can get away from you really really quickly. All right. Number two, ID the mission and conduct an analysis. So once you have your scenarios, from there, decide which route you're taking. What course of action are you going to follow? And conduct an analysis of what steps need to be taken next. If your plan is to bug out, how? What vehicle are you going to use? What possible obstructions are you going to come against? You know, um, look at the big picture now that you've narrowed down your course of action and start to kind of, like it says, conduct an analysis of what problems you might run into and what planning needs to be done around this trip. Do you need to plan for extra gas canisters? Do you need to plan for food because it's going to be an extended period of time on the road to get to your safe location? Those are just a couple considerations that could that could come into this while you're trying to plan how to get you, I mean, yourself or yourself and your family, your kids, whomever, right, to safety. Number three would be to identify your needs and prioritize your resources. So again, if you're dealing with your family, right, your primary need is likely their safety. That's going to be the one thing that you have to make more important than anything else. Um, it could not be. It could be some other things. Um, but identifying needs and prioritizing resources. Well, in times of mass panic like that and mass chaos, when things are shut down and, and access to resources may not be plentiful, okay, your priority resources could be gasoline. If you're going to have to drive miles and miles and miles to get to some place that isn't boarded up and has power <clears throat> and can sell you gasoline, gas can be your key resource. For a lot of people during that summer, Ammunition was a key resource. Stores sold out of it immediately. Any places that had it were charging, you know, 10 times what they were before, for, you know, so that you could have access to ammunition. It's a real, it's a realistic concern. When looking at these different scenarios that you're planning for around stage one, this is what helps take, helps make, you know, shape these ideas, shape this planning, and helps you make these decisions. You know, resources, if you're living in some place with a very, very hot, dry climate, like you're out west in the desert, water, something as simple and something we take for granted here in the Midwest, honestly, being surrounded by it is potable water sources. But for some people, that could be their priority resource. We all need water to live. Food, food that's non-perishable more specifically, could be a priority resource. Again, it depends on the needs 
for you and your group, depending on how you're going to go ahead and conduct and carry out your planning and your strategy to meet your goal. Number four is to develop early warning. Have a plan in place in case things kick off before you're ready. You know, whether that's personal security system, whether that's um, some kind of lookout um, or a network, right? Somebody that that's down the street, right? That's going to give you a call on the phone or over the radio or something and let you know, hey, there's a mob headed this way. It could be as simple as that, honestly. But those are the kinds of things that, you know, hey, you may not be ready right exactly that moment to get out of town, but you definitely won't be getting out. You definitely won't be enacting whatever plan and, and strategy you have if you're caught off guard. Because if you're familiar with the OODA loop, right? Then we talk about this in gunfighting and any kind of fighting, really. Observe, orient, decide, and act. <clears throat> if you have to restart your OODA loop, right, you're immediately at a disadvantage. You have to restart the process. Okay. So if you're able to get that information ahead of your opposition, I guess, your opposition's ability to act, you can make a better decision in a shorter amount of time. You have the advantage. All right. That's why developing some kind of early warning is important. Then finally, scan, monitor, and collect. So scan and monitor kind of ties in what we were just talking about, having somebody to give you some kind of early warning, but it could also go as far as monitoring radios, monitoring uh, social behaviors, social activity, um, and and collect information. You know, in times of collapse, bribery is a thing. Um, your currency shifts from, you know, paper currency over to your resources, things like food, you know, so having an understanding of who has what, um, who has the most, who has the least people who have the least also have the least to lose. So they can be in a lot of times the most volatile parties in situations like this something to consider, something that needs to be built into your plan. If you're going to have to drive through a region where they really don't have very much, uh, where they're very isolated for some reason, you know, they may, you know, they may attack you. They may try to take what you have. It's just, and we're thinking about this in terms of violent aggression, but it really can stem further than that. Um, scanning, monitoring, and collecting as much information as possible is key to this whole process because the more information you have, the better decision can be made, right? That's for anything. That's uh, in the workplace. That's for, it could be for grocery shopping, you know, honestly. Um, But it's not something that you necessarily think of when you're talking about planning intelligence gathering. So make that part of your five steps for security preparedness and planning. Um, data collection is based on your intelligence gaps, meaning what you don't know, but should know, um, things that you make those your requirements, right? Thing you need to fill those gaps. How many people are there? Where are they? When are they going to be there? Those are all gaps you could potentially have to fill. All right. Data collection is how we answer those questions. So again, whether that's via word of mouth, that's surveillance, I mean, whatever have you. All right, timing is especially critical with this. Gathering information is most important at the beginning stages of any kind of your cri- of crisis, uh, whether it's large or small. It could be something as small as a power outage, uh, a large power outage, up to riots, looting, 
uh, things like we were just talking about. So timing is especially important. You want to have as much of this information uh, on hand and <clears throat> readily available as possible. A lot of times, if you wait until things have kicked off, right? If you wait until power's gone, if you wait until the riding has started, it's not going to be safe. It's not going to be as easy to gather that information. Um, you're going to be putting yourself at a greater risk, and the information just may not be as accessible. So timing really is critical with a lot of these things. Um, decisions that you make now have consequences later. As much info as possible is needed to make the best decision possible. Again, like we were just saying, right? The more information you have, the better off you will be when trying to make these decisions. Okay. The next point are, we want to talk about some standing requirements, things that you will always have to answer in this given area of operation. So it's, it's different if you are in the military versus in law enforcement versus civilian, right? Because what you have to answer for is different in each of those scenarios. So um, you're going to want to ID violent activity in the area of operation. You're going to want to ID criminal activity in the area of operation. Um, if you, you know, as a civilian, you see a new gang tag popping up around town, spray paint, stuff like that. Um, gang colors, right? Uh, if you guys have ever seen the movie The Warriors, it's like 1979. Super, super awesome movie. I highly recommend if you haven't seen it, but um, they all wear leather vests that say Warriors on the back of it. And the whole movie, you can identify each gang clearly based on what they're wearing, right? Um, they do tagging so you can see whose area it is. Um, but that's all stuff worth understanding. And if you live in, a, in an area that is you know, not the safest, if you have a gang element to where you're living... These are considerations. If those elements are pushing out of their normal, um, their normal areas, their normal, uh, I guess for lack of a better term here, turf, that's something you want to be aware of. Um, if there's a spike in criminal activity, like looting, if there's a spike in violent activity, like looting or throwing Molotov cocktails at police stations as a form of violent protest, it helps to be aware of that. Um, primarily if you're trying to get the hell out of town and as civilians, right, that should be our major, our, our major concern, avoid those areas, <laughs> avoid the people with the Molotov cocktails. If you know where they're at, like the police station, like city hall, like the grocery store, you know, to avoid those, um, those kinds of target rich environments, like your grocery stores, you know, people fighting over those, <clears throat> like we were talking about earlier, fighting over those very precious resources and priority resources, those are going to be the areas you want to avoid because there's going to be a lot of people and it's going to be a lot more difficult to move through there undetected and unnoticed, right? So something to keep in mind and to be aware of. Additionally, right, you want to monitor for any kind of changes to what's going on around you. We all kind of have a status quo, right? Um, whether it's, you know, uh, on our street, on our block, our city, maybe you live in a smaller city Things just don't change very often. Be aware of that. When things do change, it's usually for a reason. So don't just dismiss something that you see that's odd. Don't just dismiss it as like, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, it's, uh, oh, whatever, that's interesting. You know, maybe dig a little bit deeper. And it may actually end up being nothing, but 
it could potentially be an indicator for something else that's about to happen. Okay, you want to look for potential changes in your area of operation. So, uh, new buildings going up, new police stations going up, uh, new businesses, uh, anything like that. Those can all be indicators. You and you also want to be aware of those. So, when you're making your plans later on down the line in the event of an actual emergency, you have that information available. If there is a new police station that's being built, you know that that may be a safe place to retreat to, if you don't have any other options. Right. Um, you know, a police station is a safe place in most instances, barring a couple times where police are being forced to pull out of the area due to an overwhelming level of violent activity and aggression, right? Um, this is also important for providing, you know, early warning. We talked about um, having somebody to give you the high sign or let you know, hey, trouble's coming. Well, you can be your own early warning system. If you just monitor what's going on around you, you just pay a little extra attention that, I don't want to say that constant level of hypervigilance, but just paying attention, you start to see a bad element move into town. Uh, you start to see businesses closing up, things like that. If you're aware of those things, that can be an indicator as well. Um, looking for changes in policies, politics, and ideologies. <clears throat> um, if anything, guys, the last two years have really shown us how crucial that is. Politics have been super divisive in this country, um, and some regions, some cities, some towns have been impacted at a level that I don't think many of us ever really thought that, that we would see. You know, I never thought we would see rioting in the streets and bricks being thrown through windows uh, because Donald Trump was elected. I never thought we would see that. <coughs> um, I never, I mean, we had George Bush in office, right? George W. Bush was a two-term Republican president. Ronald Reagan was a two-term Republican president. George H.W. Bush was a Republican president. Um, <clears throat> so when Donald Trump was then elected, I, I really truly didn't think we would ever we would see that level of violence. You know, um, that is my failure, right? My failure for not seeing those those signs. My failure for not realizing those kinds of things for for going on. Um, now, were they immediately impactful in my AO? No, not necessarily. Where I'm living, we did not have that level of violence. Um, we were not impacted to that degree. However, Detroit, which is about 25 minutes from me, we did see some of that kind of activity and nationwide, right? If you're somebody living in Atlanta, New York, DC, LA, you definitely saw that kind of activity. Those changes in politics and ideologies can be the driving factor. <clears throat> for a lot of just terrible things. You see it in foreign countries. You see it all the time, you know? Um, I, I keep thinking to, to, to African nations, right? When they have change in political party leadership, um, they have change in ideological leadership, and I don't, I don't want to take it to, from one extreme to the other or anything like that, but... You see things like mass genocide, right? Um, <clears throat> and that's that's obviously that's the extreme. But changes in ideology and politics affect leadership. Leadership dictates how your government, how your community are ran, and the rules of society essentially, you know, um, that you're all going to have to live by. That could be very very important. You look at things like 
the Holocaust, unfortunately, right? Changes in, pl- in political and ideological leadership that shaped one of the greatest tragedies in human history. Again, these are things, these are warning signs you can look out for and take steps to secure your own safety and that of your family. I understand that the examples I just gave are extreme, <clears throat> extreme cases. However, um, it, it can happen, right? It can happen. It has happened before. That means it can happen again. I hope to God that it doesn't. Um, but moving on, um, we also want to look at, uh, you know, monitoring for changes, uh, Will any kind of change become advantageous or detrimental? You know, new people in your AO, uh, are they going to help you? Are they going to hurt you? What will it do to your your position in society? Um, is it going to, you know, are, is this ideology change, this shift in political leadership, is it in your favor? Because that could certainly shape the way that you want to respond. Um Obviously, if it's against you or not in your favor, um, then you know how you have to respond um, with measured action and possibly leaving the area, depending, right? Um, but all things to keep in mind, right? If you know somebody in your own political party takes power, then that's obviously not a bad thing for you. Um, but something, like I said, certainly, certainly need to keep an eye on it for a lot of reasons. Um, you know, you need to note any developments in the area. Um, like I said, whether it's <clears throat> spikes in in violence and criminal activity, uh, the developments of more buildings and structures, um, anything and everything. You know, uh, here in the town that we live in, um, we have what we call a social district that's become very popular after last year, um, where they close off the street on both ends and. Um, you can have open alcoholic containers and things like that. You can mingle with people and mingle with the businesses. Why this is important is because social events like this are really, really useful for monitoring developments, updating your, your area study, understanding what's going on. You know, um, my wife and I attend all of them for one. It's just a great opportunity to get out of the house and support local business, but, um, a couple of these businesses, it's great to be able to talk to the owners. And there's one that we, we talked to specifically, who's the owner of a local uh, bakery, um, cheesecake shop. Very nice man. Um, able to give us the lowdown, uh, give us the skinny, as it were, on some, some city developments, um, businesses that were trying to move into the area. Uh, we had like a, a Kroger store that moved into a bigger and Kroger's, a, if you guys aren't familiar, Kroger is a chain of grocery stores here in the Midwest of the United States. They moved out of one building um, that had been there for, God, uh, probably close to 40 years and moved into another larger new structure that they put a bunch of money into. So there was discussion with the city council on <clears throat> what would go in there and uh, what we want to do with that space and things like that. Um as well as another business down the street. There was, I believe, laser tag that was trying to move in, and there was some disagreements with the city board uh, over parking spaces. They were only willing to give this company 10 parking spaces to move in. Um, you guys are going to play laser tag. You know, it's usually t- teams of 10 or 15 people, so you need at least 20 
or 30 spaces plus staff, so probably close to 40 parking spaces, and the city was not willing to oblige. Um, you know, we had, and then find out, you know, the, the two businesses next to them were low volume businesses that just had way more, you know, parking spaces than they needed and were willing to give them theirs. The city council leadership decided, no, they're not doing that. And ultimately this business did not end up moving into the area. So is this immediately impactful, um, or critically important information? Not necessarily, but it does help you give, Get, I'm sorry, get an idea, right, of the political leanings in the area, of what's being done at various levels of leadership, um, what could possibly be coming down the line for changes in the community, or, you know, why we're not seeing changes in the community. Um, all that information is useful, and without interacting with people uh, on social levels like this, it, beca- it, it is relatively difficult to, to procure, you know, in this instance, had we not been filled in by a local business owner, right? Um, we would have had to have gotten this from somebody on the city council, <clears throat> excuse me, um, or one of the business parties that were involved in this transaction, whether it was the potential laser tag company moving in, uh, or one of the two parties that was offering to, you know, give up their their parking space that wasn't being used. Um, your pool of information is, is very limited in a lot of instances. Those parties don't want to discuss that, or in some instances, for legal reasons, they, they really can't. Uh, have that discussion. So casual discussion about the community can be very, very helpful in, in A, developing that rapport with people. You build those relationships and those connections. But B, it's your absolute best source for information because those are the people that are there living through it, dealing with it, have a vested interest in the success of the area. You know, And to some degree, that explains why police officers uh, have the relationships they do with the community. They are the, That is their absolute... Uh, <clears throat> absolute best source of information in a lot of instances in what's going on in the community is by talking to community members such as business owners. All right. Um, you also need to account for additional effects of any kinds of changes and adapt your plans accordingly. So um, again, if there's large construction going on, that could close off roads. We've seen that happen, right? If it's a large construction, large build, if uh, if they're redoing part of the street because there's a water main break, any of these kinds of things, which usually end up in local papers, uh, local radio statements, uh, things like that, that can affect your plan to get in and out of town because it affects your traffic flow. Seems like relatively minor things, um, something that we all sort of forget about until you know, hey, vacation time in the summer, and you go on the freeway to head to wherever you're going for vacation. And here, now we have an additional two hours on our commute, because the freeway is under summer construction, and we didn't look ahead to find out about it. Now, honestly, this has only gotten easier with the develop the, excuse me, the development of technology, Google Maps, Google Maps will tell us all of these things, it'll plan your fastest route, your your most uh, fuel efficient route, your shortest route, which may take longer, just depending on things like speed limit and things like that. So it has gotten a lot easier to pre-plan and to plan for travel restrictions, things like that. But the more that you know, the better off you'll be. No one system is foolproof. So there can, of course, then be flaws and be issues with that. So it's best to be as up on the current information as you can. Um, and it's a continuous process, right? 
<coughs> excuse me, um, it's never going to stop. But that's, you know, life goes on, right? You, It's your home, your area of operation, whatever have you. You need to be well-informed because things are always changing. They're constantly changing. Um, and it's part of your responsibility, A, to know about all of these changes, but B, to help build and promote, to foster, right, a, uh, a culture of sharing information in your area of operation. So whether that's, you know, you just have... It could be as simple as, hey, I have really good relationships with all of my surrounding neighbors. We talk a lot. Um, yes, I mean, some people call it gossip and it can be somewhat degenerative, but knowing what's going on with these people can give you insight into how they may react or how you can react in times of emergency. For instance, if you have a lot of pro 2A neighbors, um, <clears throat> perhaps you can plan and prep together. You know, um, Sam who has, has been a part of the podcast in the past, Sam and his neighbors on his street all have uh, a, a prep plan for in the, in the event of emergency, this is what we're going to do. They have a group of, you know, four or five neighbors that are all like-minded individuals. They know how they're going to respond in the event that something catastrophic happens. They built that culture. They fostered that culture. They, they grew that culture. Um, and yes, this is a very small sample size, but that could also mean that it's, you know, the most immediately impactful because it is so close. That is, that is your immediate network of reaction, right? So things to think about <clears throat> uh, when you're monitoring for changes and trying to keep your when you're trying to keep your plan as up to date and as current right as possible and that's important you know your bomb shelter plan from the 1970s when you're in high school is not necessarily the best disaster plan for you know 2022 when we're not really worrying about getting bombed by anybody right now but we are concerned for things like tornadoes or active shooters um unfortunately so hopefully that helps put some of that in into perspective um and another thing to think about is a shared consciousness and what we mean is being a part of a culture of information sharing, like we we're just talking about, and you spread this work of the, the responsibility of being informed uh, throughout this network. So if everybody talks to somebody different, um, you know, your certain neighbors talk to other neighbors, or you have certain, maybe you have a neighbor who's on the police force, right? They talk to other people all the time. Maybe you have somebody who works uh, for the electric company. I have a neighbor that's a retired uh, employee from the gas company here in Southeast Michigan. These are people that talk to different people, and that helps spread around the responsibility. It helps spread around who's talking to who. And therefore, right, you cast a much larger net when you're looking to gather <clears throat> different kinds of, uh, of information and different kinds of intelligence, all right? Um, to quote Jack Welch, if the rate of change on the outside exceeds the rate of change on the inside, the end is near. So you really do have to embrace this shared responsibility. You have to embrace this culture uh, to help make sure that you're not being you're not you're not um, <clears throat> being exceeded by your rate of change is not growing at a pace you can't control. Um, I just butchered the hell out of that. That is a terrible way of saying that, but it is a really good quote. If the rate of change on the outside, on the outside of your, your circle, your network, right, exceeds the rate of change on the inside, the end is near, meaning that you are not keeping up with the information as it is changing. 
um, it <clears throat> it means you can't fall behind the curve. You know, constantly stay up to date. Um, and without this real time intelligence, you you will fail. It's a sad reality, um, but you need to be aware of what's going on. Um, every major conflict in in history has had intelligence gathering of some variety, shape, or form. Um, it was conveyed by riders on horseback, right, during the Revolutionary War and the Civil War. Um, it's conveyed in modern technology over encrypted communication and electronic means, um, electronic methods. You know, so every major conflict has had intelligence gathering and has been won or lost primarily around the quality of the intelligence that is shared. Information and the ability to make a good decision drives all of it. So whether it's at the scale of your own neighborhood, just trying to live through um, a massive blackout with rioting or uh, a social justice movement with rioting of that, that can last up to two weeks, um, if you're potentially looking at a civil war type situation, like the folks living in Ukraine right now, it's all relative, right? And we've talked about that concept with a lot of things uh, on this podcast in, in terms of preparedness, right? That a lot of the different ideas and a lot of the different concepts here, they are all relative to one another. Um, so one, it's kind of a one hand washes the other type thing. And the more engaged you are with some things, the more engaged you will be with other things just because it fosters a a more prepared mindset. Pardon the pun. Um, <clears throat> one other thing that I, I, a couple different things, I guess, that we really want to talk to before I kind of wrap here is the different disciplines, or I guess um, the four main kinds of intelligence that you can have. And again, I just want to stress that this is a very high level overview of what intelligence is and intelligence, intelligence gathering. I'm sorry. Uh, but I wanted to talk about it because it is something that is super impactful when we talk about your individual level of preparedness or your family's level of individual preparedness and how it incorporates itself into your network. And hopefully this does spark, you know, you guys to maybe reach out to some more people, maybe do things a little bit differently, but they're like, I'm saying there, there's, there's four main kinds of intelligence or what they call disciplines of intelligence. There's open source intelligence or OSINT for short, that's going to be your news outlets, right? Your weekly or daily newspaper. Um, in some instances, if you have those connections, you may be able to even leverage a local reporter for information um, or send them to new developments to have them investigate and report the story, have them gather the information for you. Again, that goes back to what we were talking about with sharing the responsibility, right? Bring somebody like that who has the, the access of the press and the media to areas that the, that the common person may just may not have, <clears throat> they can report on this new building. Um, they can find out what's going on here. Hey, oh, no, no, we know what that is. That's the new police station. Oh, okay. Nope, that's a new supermarket. No, nope, we don't know what that is. Maybe, the, and they have access to a whole network of information for investigative reporting. Okay, so that's open source. It can also include uh, social media, which everybody, right, everybody today posts everything on social media. You're at the gym, you're at the grocery store, we're out to the movies, it's our anniversary. Uh, I'm fighting with my ex. Um, my friends just got married. Uh, this brother and sister hate each other and they're bitterly fighting. Um, somebody died, right? Social media, we have become, as a culture, 
we have become slaves to social media and we post every facet of our life on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter, right? So you can, as for as much of a drain as it has been on us from a societal standpoint, it can also be leveraged as a tool. Um, you can follow your local politicians, local law enforcement. You can even follow local extremist groups. And all of those things can help give you more information, more critical information that you can then leverage to help make a better decision. You can shape your own personal planning. You can be more aware of, hey, when is it time to get out of Dodge? Um, when do I need to start being concerned? What's going on around me, right? So that's all That's all examples of open source intelligence. And for the most part, that's daily life. You may not even realize it, but you're gathering intelligence just by staying up on your uh, Facebook chatter. Um, not saying you should devote an overwhelming amount of time to that because it can definitely be unhealthy, um, if if not extremely annoying, but it's easily accessible. That said, it's also more likely to be inaccurate just due to the nature of who's providing the information, but something to certainly keep in mind. Um, the next one is uh, signal intelligence or SIGINT. This would be something like um, a police scanner. If your local law enforcement uses encryption, you're, you're kind of out of luck. Um, <coughs> excuse me. But if you if your local law enforcement doesn't and you have a ham radio like a Baofeng or something and you know how to program it um, to use as a, as a radio scanner, that's a great source of information. And P.S., if you... If you don't know how to do that, there's a lot of good videos, um, like Ham Radio Crash Course and even some others um, <clears throat> on YouTube that will teach you how to program your radio and use it as a scanner. By the way, you don't need a Ham Radio license or a DMR radio license or any of that stuff to use a radio as a scanner. It You don't need anything to listen and observe. So it's free to use this signal intelligence method. Um to build your preparedness, right? You don't need the licensing. You don't need to go through the testing. You don't need uh, anything. You're not transmitting, so you're not breaking any kind of laws, all right? So that's a police scanner, um, a ham radio receiver. You can buy one off Amazon, like I was talking about, a Baofeng. Um, and it, it's, like I said, it's, you know, listening only doesn't cost you anything, and it's not illegal. Um, the nice part about that really is that a lot of you guys listening probably already have access to radio gear for your kit. If you're somebody that's built on a plate carrier or a chest rig and you've been looking to prepare into your individual preparedness, if I can speak, your individual preparedness for any length of time here, you probably already have all of the gear necessary to make a, a useful scanner. And this it's a dual purpose item, right? While also being able to provide communications for you and your network or you and your teammates, um, scanner can help you gather intelligence. Maybe you have multiple items. Um, you can, and if you have one that's set for backup, maybe that can be one that can be dedicated as a scanner. While you have another one that is programmed to be your primary uh, means of communication between teammates. Um, so something else to think about. The third discipline. And this is, I think, where people, this is where people's minds go, mostly due to the movies and talk about spies and tradecraft and things like that, is <clears throat> your human or human intelligence. 
like I was talking about earlier, right? Talking to local shopkeepers, talking to local law enforcement, right? Making friends with these people, people at church, local politicians, developing these sources and building those relationships. These are sources of information, casual conversations about what's going on with life, what's going on in the area. Local politicians, especially, they love to talk about what's going on. They love to talk about what they want to change. And in that same breath, they're going to tell you, here's how things are today. I want to change it to this. Oh, really? Yeah, that's interesting. <clears throat> Why do you think we need to do that? Well, you know, I'm glad you asked. I'd be happy to tell you. They'll tell you what they think the problem is or what the problem actually is. You know, hey, maybe we need to, you know, we have uh, issues with the flood basin. Well, and it's causing all these extra problems. Okay, maybe it's an infrastructure problem where you have water backing up into people's basements. Here where I live, that is that is a major problem a couple of years ago, and we had to do, the city had to do a major oval overhaul on our pumping stations, uh, the protocols behind how they manage that, and it was a, it was a huge <clears throat> it was a huge hot button issue here in the area uh, at the time. So again, you can talk to people, you can talk to local leadership. Um, they'll be more than happy to tell you about it, and then that's just more information that you have at your disposal at your disposal for uh, for planning, making decisions. Right. Um, in some instances, being able to do a ride along with local law enforcement. Right. Make friends with the police. Uh, you can start and join a neighborhood watch program. Word of mouth communication, nosy neighbors, you know, build rapport and relationships. Guys, word of mouth is huge, right? It really, it's it's the biggest part of this and it's the easiest one because it involves so little work. You know, if you have even a moderate relationship with your neighbors, then you already have the beginnings of a intelligence network um, or for human intelligence, for human sources. People that'll voluntarily, right, because of the rapport and relationship that you have with them, they'll voluntarily disclose this information. <clears throat> In some instances, if you have a good relationship, they'll actively reach out to you and, hey, make sure you don't head to this part of town. It's rough. Hey, make sure you avoid this. There's construction or traffic or whatever have you. Hey, I heard this is going to happen. You may want to get out of town. Hey, I don't want to see anything happen to you and your family. This is what we're doing. Come with us. These are all really, really good reasons to develop human intelligence sources. This doesn't have to be super high speed. You know, we're not all Jason Bourne or James Bond, but, you know, being able to have a, a higher level of understanding about this information gathering and why it's useful. Because a lot of people, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, myself included, don't, we don't love human interaction in general terms anyway. Um, working with the public can be very irritating. Interacting with strangers can be very um, anxiety-inducing. So we try to avoid it. It can help if we know that there's a defined purpose and a defined goal behind this and that what we're, <clears throat> we're working through can be a benefit to ourselves and to our family. Um, the last discipline we're going to talk about is imagery intelligence or IMINT. And these are things like Google Earth, um, any kind of photos and videos or um, maps that you might have of your area. <coughs> you know, things like road maps, um, infrastructure plans, so you know where waterways are or utilities, pipes, things like that. I mean, anything. That can all be useful information that can be applied in a plethora of different ways. Um, and it's it, it should, right, for the most part, all be accessible via public domain. Um, 
certainly roadmaps and things like that. Um, that can be valuable for helping plot escape routes, um, you know, primary and tertiary extract routes. If you need to find a way to get out of town, what's my quickest way to get from where I'm at to the interstate? Um, you know, okay, here's my primary route. In the event that that, you know, a tree falls and blocks the road, um, there's an angry mob, there's an accident, and I cannot get through that way. What are my backup options? So in general, in day-to-day life, just knowing where you live and being able to navigate your neighborhood is extremely useful in that regard. If nothing else, it saves you a lot of headache. But when it comes into emergency planning, it can be invaluable. If you had to get out of the area to get someone to a hospital, if you had to get out of the area to secure your own safety or your family's safety. Um, And that was one of the first things my dad told me when I moved out of my house was go drive around the area. Just go drive around. Learn where you're at. Know where you're at. Learn the streets. Know where your options are to get from point A to point B. If there's a parade, if there's a funeral procession, I mean, any of that stuff, right? You want to have options and you want to understand how to get around town. That's your, it's your home, right? It's your, your AO, your area of operation. Um, you can also even go as far if you wanted to getting into drones. You know, drones have become, uh, have become really popular in the last several years. And you can do everything from racing your drones to just casually flying them. Um, there's cameras and things that can be attached. Uh, and that can be used for video surveillance, for photo surveillance. Um, now I, I don't know, I don't know the rules, um, you know, behind drone operation where you can and where you can't. So you enter that realm of your own volition, accord and understanding that there's, there's some risks that, that can come with it. Um, but can certainly be a very useful tool when trying to, you know, see what's going on, see where people are gathering if they are, or if they aren't. Uh, to monitor crowd movements, things like that. Um, And as this technology is becoming more and more prevalent, it's becoming cheaper. Cheaper is always good, right? Um, You want a quality and reliable system for ideally as little money as possible while not, you know, um, sacrificing that quality. So um, if you're thinking about getting into a drone, may not be the the worst idea, may actually be a very good asset uh, in the event of an emergency. So, um, you know, intelligence gathering is important. You know, every every party involved in this uh, is a sensor. Every community member is a sensor for information and can, fee- you know, give you feedback, give you more info. It's a team effort here. No one, no one person is going to be as smart as everyone. All right. So the more people you have working together, this culture that we talked about nurturing and building, this network that we I mean, we've talked about network building in. Uh, multiple episodes past, right? You know, having a, a tight knit network that you know you're going to fall back and rely on for different skill sets. They are also part of your network for the information that they possess and are going to bring to you this planning method. Um, and that's why we talk a lot about, you know, <clears throat> having that network. The lone wolf dies alone. There's, I mean, I know it's really romantic or really cool. You know, you talk about like, um, Denzel Washington, right? Book of Eli, the lone traveler, the lone wanderer. And it's really, uh, you know, our old Westerns, right? It's, you know, the lone gunslinger, right? It's really cool concepts, really badass concept. I don't need anybody. And that couldn't be further from the truth. Honestly, um, you are not going to make it out alive if you don't have a good network and a good support structure 
working with you to solve for these issues, solve for these problems that you're encountering and, and trying to address. Um, so I do urge you, if, if you at this point still don't have that network in place, if you still don't know who you're going to in the event of an emergency, if you don't have people that you talk to f- regarding changes in your community on a regular basis, I would encourage you to make a, to make a change. You know, start talking to your neighbors more. Make a concerted effort to talk to your neighbors more or at all in some instances. I know some people go years. They don't know their neighbors' names. They don't know what they do. They don't know what their schedule is like or when they're home. Reach out. Develop a rapport. Start to try and build some kind of relationship. At least try to. Um, You'll be better off for it. At the very least, you'll have a little bit more information that, again, like we've been saying this whole time, allows you to make a more educated decision. That's really what all of this is about. Guys, this has been, uh, it was informative for me doing the research around this and learning and kind of being able to connect the dots mentally to the people that I talk to, the experiences and the encounters that my wife and I have here in our own community and how it, it can play into a larger, the larger idea here of preparedness. Um, cause you know, a lot of the times these conversations, these small things, they don't seem very, um, tactical. Right. You know, um, and I hate using that. I mean, I love that word and I hate using that word because it brings such a, a goofy stigma with it. Right. Um, but, but those discussions, those connections, those people, um, you know, whether it's, like I said, it's the, the guy at the local bakery. Um, if you have a regular clerk at your local gas station or Seven Eleven that sees all kinds of people and knows everybody's routine. Cause when they're going to work or coming from home or what kind of cigarettes they buy, whatever, you know, or your, your favorite bank teller who talks to everyone in town, everyone is a sensor. Okay. So the more sensors you have, the more powerful your network is. Right. So, uh, I, that's all I got for you guys. You know, um, it's, it's a very high level overview. Again, if you want to learn more about this and you really should look into more of this, I find it very fascinating forward observer is the name of the channel on YouTube. Again, that's uh, Samuel Culper. He's a former military individual, um, very intelligent guy, has some very, very high quality uh, presentations and content out there around intelligence gathering that I think you would find extremely, extremely useful. Um, I hope that you found this useful. And if nothing else, maybe uh, change your perspective on how you look at your own community, how you look at your uh, family relationships, your neighborhood relationships, um, and your your own preparedness network, because that's what it's all about, right? Being prepared and uh, being ready for whatever comes at you. Guys, I will have another episode coming at you next week. We will have a very exciting guest on the next two weeks. Super, super excited for those interviews. Can't wait to get them out to you all. I appreciate you all, as always, taking the time to listen here. If you guys aren't already following us, I encourage you, please, to follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, whatever service you're listening to this on. Give us a follow. Help us get those numbers up. Help us do even more with this project. The The team here is trying to do as much as we can with everything we can. I'm going to hopefully be testing out some new products for a couple of our sponsors in the near future. Very, very excited about that. Got a couple other plans in the works, maybe trying to coordinate some classes, getting some group training going on. There's always something that we're working on. Uh, Always something. So if you guys are following us on Spotify, 
Apple Podcast, Google Podcast. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook to make sure you're staying up to date with all of our content and everything that we have going on here at The Prepared Mindset. But until next week, everybody, y'all get out there, you work hard, you train smarter, and like we always say here, be prepared. <laughs>